Welcome to the Covenant People's Ministry. It is written that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. We invite you to study the scriptures with us, to learn about the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, the holy and anointed Lamb of God, the light of the world, the Savior of mankind. You can contact us with your questions and comments at covenantpeoplesministry.org or call us at 678-692-8870. You can also write to us at CPM Post Office Box 256, Brooks, Georgia 30205. We look forward to hearing from you and we pray that these messages of truth touch your lives. If you have been moved by these biblical teachings, please visit our forums online at covenantpeoplesministry.org and sign up to follow us on our YouTube channel, Covenant People. Thank you for joining us for another CPM broadcast. And now, here is our pastor, Jeremy Visser, with our next Bible study. Thank you guys so much for joining me this particular evening. Tonight we're going to be looking at the order of Melchizedek. And in teaching on Melchizedek, it's extremely important. Because Paul would say later in the New Testament that Christ has become an high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. And that brings me to tonight's study. The order of Melchizedek. In order to fully understand this quote-unquote order of Melchizedek, we must understand several things about Father Abraham and the fact that he was obedient to Yahweh's law long before even that law was codified by Moses much later. And we'll be proving that this evening. But to fully understand the order of Melchizedek, you must understand who Melchizedek is. And therefore... The most likely place to begin is in the book of Genesis, and in the 14th chapter. It is here where Melchizedek joins the stage and or the narrative of the Bible. And we see that it's after Abram delivers Lot from Sodom. And of course you probably know the story, because it's integral, at least in understanding, that Abraham was chosen, whereas Lot was not. Now, they were of the same ilk, the same bloodline. But while Abram would rather stay in the plains, away from the city, Lot pitched his tent towards Sodom, meaning that ultimately Lot would move into Sodom. And I'm sure you know the story about Lot and his daughters. But in Genesis chapter 14, Abram delivers Lot from the king of Sodom. And there's rebellion. There's a quote-unquote conquest of giants that takes place at the beginning. There's a battle. And then the second battle of the Vale at Shittim. There's all sorts of history right here that happens to Father Abraham. But what we need to focus in on is not only the victory that Yahweh God gives him, beginning in verse 16 of Genesis 14, but Melchizedek. And how he plays into this. And more importantly, what Melchizedek's name means in both Hebrew and Greek. So, in Genesis chapter 14, we read in verse 16. And he, meaning Abram, 
brought back all the goods, and also brought again his brother Lot, and his goods, and the women also, and the people. And this is of special interest, because it shows Abram carried out his attack so quickly that all the wives and daughters were rescued from the licentiousness of all the Sodomites. So, Abram was a mighty warrior. That's a given. And he was victorious before Melchizedek comes. That is, in war, physical warfare. So, we pick it back up in Genesis 14, but verse 17. And the king of Sodom went out to meet him after his return from the slaughter. And of that kings were made of him at the valley of Shiva, which is the king's dale. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine, and he was the priest of the Most High God. Now, for all intents and purposes, that appears kind of out of whack, does it not? Here comes the so-called Melchizedek. Now, according to Genesis, he is considered the king of Salem. So, what must we do? What we should do is define what Melchizedek means in the Hebrew. According to verse 18. Melchizedek is from Hebrew number 4,442. And it means the king of the right. The king of the right. Now we learn in the Old Testament that a fool inclines his heart to the left. But yet Yahshua is the king of the right. That should make sense as we near the conclusion of this particular lecture because Yahshua, again, is in high priest forever after the order of this same Melchizedek, right? But Melchizedek means so much more. That is, at least in its Hebrew, because it's taken from two Hebrew words, one meaning king. That is what Melech means. But the second is Shadek, and it means the right in a moral or legal sense, just. Meaning, that this Melchizedek, his name means what? King of the right or king of the just. But back here in Genesis fourteen eighteen, and Melchizedek, king of Salem, what does this word Salem mean? Salem is taken from Hebrew 8004, and it means peace. So, another name for Melchizedek or Melchizedek is the Prince of Peace. And that's very important, at least in understanding Yahshua and his ties to this order of Melchizedek. Melchizedek in the Old Testament was considered the King of Salem, or we could say the King and or Prince of Peace. And he brought forth bread and wine, and he was considered the priest of the Most High God. This word priest is Kohani, and it literally means an acting priest or one who speaks for Yahweh God. So are you starting to see the similarities between Yahshua and Melchizedek? What else? Let's continue reading in Genesis 14, verse 19. And he, Melchizedek, blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram of the Most High God, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be the Most High God, which hath delivered thine enemies into thy hand. And he gave him tithes of all. Who? Abraham. 
Abraham gave Melchizedek tithe. Now, Melchizedek is also a very polite way of saying Prince of the Zadok or King of the Zadok. Zadok meaning the remnant or the elect, the sanctified and or anointed ones. Melchizedek as a name can mean the Prince of the elect, but he also is considered in Genesis 14:18 the king of Salem and or the prince of peace. And what's interesting is when Melchizedek appears to Abraham, Abraham clearly gives him tithes of all. Now why would Abraham give tithes to this king, Melchizedek, in the Old Testament, when the Old Testament law supposedly was not codified? Right? Much later in Exodus, after the Exodus, during, you know, Moses' time. Well, the answer for that is provided in the same book of Genesis. But the 26th chapter, it is here that we learn in verse 5. Abraham obeyed my voice, kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. Abraham kept the law of God before it was codified much later by Moses and enforced by the Aaronic priesthood. That's something we need to understand. Because what that proves right here back in Genesis, Abraham giving Melchizedek or the Prince of Peace tithes proves what? Obedience. And it shows you why Yahweh God was so favorative of Abraham but not quite so with Lot. Yahweh God already foreknew, much in the same exact manner as Jacob and Esau, the difference between Abram and Lot. While they were blood kin, Lot had a propensity for evil. And through Lot and his incestuous relationship much later with his daughters, we have two of the most abominable tribes with us still to this day, the Ammonites and the Moabites. And I've taught on that extensively in my sermon, Who is Moab and Ammon? But back here in Genesis chapter 14, we learn after Abraham gives Melchizedek tithes in accordance with the Mosaic law. In verse 21, the king of Sodom said unto Abram, Give me persons and take the goods to thyself. And Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have lift up mine hand unto Yahweh, the Most High God, the possessor of heaven and earth, that I will not take from a thread, even to a shoelace, and I will not take anything that is thine, lest thou shouldest say, I, the king of Sodom, have made Abram rich, save only that which the young men have eaten, and the portion of the men which went with me. And then he lists them. Let them take their portion. So, was Melchizedek integral in his victory? No. Father Abraham already had victory. And after he brought back all the goods from that victory, and the women also, and all the people, the king of Sodom goes out to meet him at Abram's triumphant return. And what happens? Melchizedek, the king of Salem. Now, the name of ancient Jerusalem 
it is said that 700 years before Rome was founded, the Jebusites conquered the literal land of Salem and called it Jebus. Later, the two names were united into one, Jerusalem, or Jeru, Salem, Prince of Salem, King of Salem, right? So, does that not start shedding a little additional clarity on who Melchizedek is? Well, also consider the city is mentioned 807 times in Scripture by this name, Jeru Salem, which means habitation of peace. Just as Prince of Salem or King of Salem, in the case of Melchizedek, means a prince or king of peace. So, beginning in Joshua and ending in Galatians, the only other places the name is used in Scripture, it refers to the new and heavenly Jerusalem. This is important to understand, because what this denotes is that Melchizedek, back in the times of Abraham, came from what would ultimately become known as Jerusalem, the very city of Jerusalem, where the temple of Yahweh God is in the middle. But more on this can be taught. We've already proven that there is an order of Melchizedek, and that order is eternal. Now, his name can be taken to mean many different things, but at its core root, it means the king of Salem. That's who he is, Melchizedek, the prince of peace. Who is your prince of peace? Why would Abram give Melchizedek tithes when the king himself was bringing, all the way back then, what? Bread and wine. Now, I want you to think on this for a moment. Yahshua, in the upper room, before the crucifixion, did something known as communion. Something we should be observing as the race of Israel. But in that act of communion, we are partaking of his what? Blood and body. And that is signified in communion through what? Bread and wine. Yahshua said, take of my body. This bread is my body. That is shed for the new covenant. He also said, drink of this wine. This is the blood that is shed for many. Now, are you starting to understand who Melchizedek is? And not only that, the longevity of Yahshua. Because it is no mystery. We learned that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Not only that, we learn in the beginning of John's Gospel. In the beginning was the word. The Word was with God, and that Word was God. And in verse 14 of John chapter 1, that Word was made flesh and dwelt among men. Could it be that Melchizedek was Jesus Christ incarnate all the way back in the times of Abraham? Well, consider that Christ himself taught, before Abraham was, I am in the Gospels. What do you think he meant by that? Could it be that he was there and that is why Abraham gave this tithe? Well, Paul taught on this order of Melchizedek. And he basically says that Yahshua was Melchizedek. But you have to pay close attention to the Greek and what is used. We've already proven from Genesis chapter 14 the narrative as it stands in the Pentateuch. That Abraham was victorious, 
that he had many battles going at one time, but he was able to deliver Lot. That didn't stop Lot from ultimately going back and being perverted and vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. So we can learn from that narrative as well. Why Lot dwelt within Sodom, he was corrupted, according to Jude in Second Peter and many other New Testament places. But he had delivered Lot in this particular instance. And after that victory, well, Melchizedek comes. Therefore, Paul teaches in Hebrews chapter 7, beginning in verse 1, For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings, and blessed him, to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all, first being by interpretation, king of righteousness, and after that also, king of Salem, which is king of peace. Stopping right there. Paul is basically teaching what the Hebrew actually says, and we proved this evening. Is he not? To whom Abraham gave a tenth part of all. We learn here that a tithe is what? A tenth part. Paul provides that because Genesis 14 doesn't say that. It says that Abraham gave a tithe to Melchizedek. But Abraham's tithe was the tenth part of all. And that was outlined back in Genesis chapter 14. And that was a lot. A lot of women, a lot of children, and a lot of goods that he had obtained when? During that war. The war that Paul says right here is considered the slaughter of kings. Because Abraham was able to overcome kings. Kings like even Sodom. But there were cities round about that in like manner gave themselves over to fornication. And oftentimes you cannot help a family member if they are drawn that way as Lot was. Lot ultimately went back. But Paul is teaching what we already covered today. Genesis chapter 14. And he's also saying that Abraham was obedient, proving, just as we also confirmed, that Abraham obeyed the law, statutes, and ordinances of Yahweh God long before they were codified. Therefore, Abraham was chosen because he was obedient, just as Jacob was. But also, I want you to notice that in Hebrews chapter 7, verse 2, Paul basically says there are interpretations of this name. First, by interpretation, king of righteousness. That's what Melchizedek means, right? But after that, also, and this is always affixed to his name, king of Salem, which is king of peace, the king of Jerusalem, the prince of peace. Does that not sound very similar to you? It should. Turn with me to Isaiah. The major prophet Isaiah, he says in his prophecies concerning the coming Messiah, in chapter 9, verse 6, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. What does that mean? Prince of Peace? King of Salem. Melchizedek. One of the names of the child that will be born unto us, not the entire world, but the Israelite race, according to Isaiah, a prophet to that same race, 
is Prince of Peace. So, Paul says back in Hebrews, chapter 7, verse 2, By interpretation, his name means King of Righteousness. But after that, also King of Salem, which is King of Peace. Verse 3, Without father, without mother, without descent, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like unto the Son of God, abideth a priest continually. My friends, there is none other in all of Scripture that is without mother, without descent, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but the Son of God, Yahshua, the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, the end. Christ himself clearly claimed to be the root and offspring of David. So he not only branched from that Davidic race, but he's also the root of that Davidic race, the creator of that Davidic race. So Melchizedek not only was the Prince of Peace, but he was without father on earth, without mother on earth, without descent. That couldn't be Adam. That couldn't be Eve. That couldn't be any of the angels that fell. That could only be this one Melchizedek, whom Yahshua is equated to being what? An high priest forever after his order. But more on that momentarily. Not only was Melchizedek without father, without mother, without descent, having neither beginning of days, Alpha, nor end of life, Omega, but made like unto, or likened unto, the Son of God. He abideth a priest continually. Paul is basically telling you that Melchizedek in the Old Testament was Christ of the New. Why? Because Christ is all of these things. No end. No beginning. He was in the beginning with Yahweh God, and he'll be there in the end, during the marriage supper of the Lamb. That is, the end of this earth age or cosmos. But we've taught on that. Understand, Melchizedek is the Prince of Peace. That is the name of Yahshua. He also, unless he is Yahshua, is the second person in all Scripture to be equated to having no father, no mother, without descent, meaning beginning or origin, beginning of days nor end of life, eternal life. Yahshua still lives, my friend. If this was a mere man-king, he would have been dead long ago, correct? Melchizedek has no end of days, nor beginning of days. But he's likened unto the Son of God. That is, when he appeared to Abraham, because that's the only time Melchizedek appeared in Scripture. And it was for you to understand. Understand much later, when Paul teaches this. For this, Melchizedek, the king of Salem, is the priest of the Most High God. So also was Yahshua. So please, think on those things. I'll be back with you in about one minute. Thank you for listening to the Covenant People's Ministry broadcast. If you have enjoyed hearing the message of the gospel and would like to be a part of our fellowship, be sure to write to us at CPM Post Office Box 256, Brooks, Georgia, 30205, or give us a call at 678-692-8870. You can also visit us on the web at covenantpeoplesministry.org, where you will find direct access to our extensive selection of audio sermons. 
You can also listen to Pastor Visser by Godcast on your mobile audio devices. Our sermons and videos are made possible by your tithes and offerings. If you wish to support this ministry, please make your checks or money orders payable to Covenant People's Ministry or use the donate button on our website to use PayPal. Remember that Jesus Christ is our all and is an all that have been renewed in His Holy Spirit. So we hope that you will allow Him to lead your life and help to build His church so that when He returns, He will find faith upon this earth. We urge you to be a living example of Christian faith and apply His words to your lives. It has been a pleasure to have you with us, and now we will return to Pastor Visser's Bible study message. And thank you for rejoining me for this particular lecture, Order of Melchizedek. We left off in Hebrews chapter 7, verse 4, where Paul wants us to consider how great this man was, Melchizedek, unto whom even the patriarch, Abraham, gave the tenth of the spoils. Some manuscripts say plunder, and it was a lot of plunder, as I pointed out before the break. We need to consider how great he was. If we don't understand that he was great because he had no mother without descent, nor beginning or end of days, and that he was made great also because he was likened unto the Son of God and abides a priest continually, right? No man's kingdom abides continually, but Yahshua's does. Then we need to consider how great he was that even our patriarch, Abraham, who begot Isaac, who ultimately begot Jacob, Israel, and the twelve patriarchs, the twelve tribes. Consider, he had to be great for Abraham to give him a tithe. Now, before time gets away from me, I want it to be established why this order of Melchizedek is so important. Paul explains why right here in this chapter. But many people will come and they will say, well, Judah does not have the scepter. Right? They could actually come in, according to the Mosaic Law, and say, well, Levi, or Leviticus as a book, and Deuteronomy. Moses and Aaron, even, never said anything about the tribe of Judah being a priestly tribe. That is why Paul would say, right here in Hebrews, but skipping ahead just a little bit, in verse 14, For it is evident that our Lord, Yahshua, sprang out of Judah, of which tribe Moses spake nothing concerning the priesthood. This is why this study on the order of Melchizedek is so important. Because it incorporates an eternal priesthood for those that may deny. Turn with me to Micah. Chapter 5, we learn in verse 2. But thou, Bethlehem Ephrathah, Though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, out of thee shall come forth unto me, that is, to be a ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from old, from everlasting. Now, Bethlehem Ephrathah, who is that in reference to? Well, I'd like you to consider a statement in the New Testament Gospel of Matthew that confirms what Paul is saying, and Micah. Matthew chapter 1, verse 3. Judas begot Perez and Zerah of Thamar. And Perez begot Esriam, and Esriam begot Aram. What can we learn from all of this? 
Matthew chapter 1, verse 3. Judas begot Perez. Christ is of the lineage of what? Judah. But yet Jerusalem, which Melchizedek was the king of, we could say, because he was the king of Salem before it was known as Jerusalem, is in the land of what? Judah. The same land we just covered. The Messianic land in which our Redeemer would be born. The same Redeemer that Isaiah chapter 9 verse 16 says, Unto us a child will be born, and the government shall rest upon his shoulder, and he shall be called Wonderful, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Salem, the King of Salem. And so, what Paul is saying is consider how great this man is. Because he is, if you will, a bridge for that gap. So man can't come in and say, you know what? Well, Yahshua wasn't born according to the tribe of Levi, therefore he's not a Levitical priest. And he's not directly related to Aaron, therefore he's not an Aaronic priest. But Yahshua is a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Now, the order of Melchizedek is outlined right here in Hebrews chapter 7, verse 3 by Paul. He abides a priest continually. That can only be Yahshua, Jesus the Christ. He is beginning and end, Alpha and Omega, right? So, verse 5, back in Hebrews chapter 7, Paul continues, And verily, they that are of the sons of Levi, who receive the office of the priesthood, have a commandment to take tithes of the people according to the law, that is, of their brethren, though they come out of the loins of Abraham. This is the law. It's outlined in the book of Numbers, back when Yahweh God was actually counting the people, and we could say defining the law and fine-tuning it, what ultimately led up to the book of Deuteronomy, which is the layman's version. In Numbers, Chapter 18, what do we learn in verse 21? Well, Behold, I have given the children of Levi all the tenth in Israel for an inheritance, for their service, which they serve, the service of the tabernacle of the congregation. Neither must the children of Israel henceforth come nigh to the tabernacle of the congregation, unless they bear sin and die. Now that's Yahweh God saying, you can't come to the holiest of holies, but the Levitical priest can. So can Yahshua, who sit down at the right hand of Yahweh God, who is supposedly on that very mercy seat? <laughs> of course! That is why Christ is in high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. And why, Paul is saying here, verily, they that are of the sons of Levi, well, they have the commandment to take the tithes of the people. Why? They didn't receive land inheritance, the tribe of Levi. The other 11 tribes were meant to give a tenth to Levi. And if you do the math, you'll see that that meant the priesthood was getting 110%. 110% as opposed to 100. That was Yahweh God's initial design. But so, men will come in and say, well, you know what, Christ, uh, he wasn't born of Judah, he was born of Ephraim. They'll split hairs on this. When this is the bridge between them, Melchizedek, right? Christ was born of Judah. Paul says it's evident our Lord sprang of Judea. And that is a tribe that Moses spake nothing of the priesthood. Therefore, back in Hebrews chapter 7, verse 15, Paul continues, and it is yet far more evident for that after the similitude or likeness of Melchizedek, 
there arises another priest who is made not after the law of the carnal commandment, but after the power of an endless life. Some manuscripts put has come. So, verse 16 in Hebrews 7, who, Yahshua, has come, made not after the law of fleshly commandment. For he testifieth, thou art an high priest forever, after the order of Melchizedek. Who testifies of that? Who taught that? Is it Paul? No, my friends. It is Yahshua. And this is found in the 110th Psalm. The shortest Psalm of David. What do we learn in Psalm 110, verse 4? Yahweh has sworn and will not repent. Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. The Lord at thy right hand shall strike through kings in the day of his wrath. Stopping right there. Who sits down at the right hand of Yahweh God? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, however, is in high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek because it's fulfillment of the 110th Psalm, verse 4. Yahweh swore this. This is the covenant. He will not repent. He will not backpedal on this. Thou, Yahshua, the ruler of Zion, the strength of Zion, the Deliverer are in high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. The Lord at thy right hand shall strike through kings in the day of his wrath. Do you understand now why Abraham, after he was victorious, after his quote-unquote day of wrath, and after Yahweh God delivered that, not only did the king of Sodom come down and confirm that, that Abram was victorious and triumphant, so also did Melchizedek. He came and he offered him bread and wine, Symbolic of the body and blood of Yahshua, whom Paul clearly taught is an high priest forever after this order. So, back again in Hebrews chapter 7, but verse 6, where we were. But he whose descent is not counted from them received tithes of Abraham and blessed him that he had the promises. And we covered that today in Genesis 14. And without all contradiction, the less is blessed of the better. And beyond some manuscripts render verse 7, without all contradiction, the less is blessed of the better. Meaning, Melchizedek was better than Abraham. But Abraham had delivery through who? Yahweh God. He was bestowed as part of this blunder. After the king of Sodom came down and said, give me a portion of the plunder. A visitation from Jesus Christ. And as Abraham obeyed, which was seen in his sacrifice of Isaac, and observed the law of God, that was part of his inheritance, because all the nations of the earth would be blessed through whose seed? Abraham. So, don't overlook this order of Melchizedek, and don't overlook the symbology of this. He whose descent is not counted from them received tithes of Abraham and blessed him that had the promises. Abraham had those promises. Verse 8. And here men that die receive tithes, but there he receiveth them of whom it is witnessed that he liveth. Who? Melchizedek. Melchizedek liveth. That is why he visited Abraham. And what's interesting about this statement 
As we read in Revelation chapter 1, verse 18, Christ says, I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and death. So who is Melchizedek? Well, <laughs> Paul also continues in verse 9. And, as I may say so, Levi also, who received tithes, paid tithes in or through Abraham. For he was yet in the loins of his father when Melchizedek met him. Who was? Israel. Understand, Jacob had not been born of Isaac at the time. Abraham, Jacob's great-great-grandfather, delivered Lot. Just Lot, vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. And perhaps I should actually prove that, because I keep referencing that in passing. But in Second Peter, chapter 2, we learn, beginning in verse 4, If God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell, and delivered them into chains of darkness, to be reserved unto judgment, and spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly. Pay close attention, verse 6 in Second Peter chapter 2. And turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow, making them an example unto those that after should live ungodly, and delivered just lot, vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. For that righteous man, who? Lot. Lot was righteous. But Second Peter chapter 2, verse 8 says, Lot, even though he was righteous, dwelling among them, and seeing and hearing, vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. So do you understand the importance of Melchizedek and this order of Melchizedek and why Abraham would pay tithes to him? Well, Paul explains part of it. Here in Hebrews 7, but verse 11. If therefore, perfection, a polite way of saying completion in the Greek. If perfection were by the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people received the law. What further need was there that another priest should rise after the order of Melchizedek, and not be called after the order of Aaron, that is the Aaronic priesthood? Skip with me to Romans chapter 7. I believe that this will provide clarity for what Paul is saying right here. In Romans chapter 7, we begin reading in verse 7. Paul says, What shall we say then? Question. Is the law sin? God forbid. Nay, I had not known sin, but by the law. Stopping right there. We know the sin because of the law. The law is not done away with. Paul didn't teach it was. Paul continues, For I had not known lust, except the law said, Thou shalt not covet. But sin, taking its chance through that which was ordered by the law, was working in me every form of desire. Because without law, sin was dead. For I was alive without the law once. But when the commandment came, sin revived, and I died. And the commandment which was ordained to life, I found to be unto death. For sin, taking occasion by the commandment, deceived me, and it slew me. Wherefore the law is holy, and the commandment is holy, and just, and good. Paul taught the law, just as Christ did. 
But he taught a new application for the law. And how can we apply this order of Melchizedek under the New Testament? Well, for one, Paul already explains it here in verse 11 of Hebrews 7. It's completed. If therefore perfection or completion were by the Levitical priesthood, what further need was there that another priest, Melchizedek, should be called? Well, he continues in verse 12. For the priesthood being changed, there is made of necessity a change also of the law. Not a change to the law, but a change of the law. Its application pertaining to blood. Because Christ gave that sacrifice for one and all time. Verse 13. For he of whom these things are spoken pertaineth to another tribe of whom no man gave attendance at the altar. Pertaineth is an old English way of saying belongs. Of he whom these things are spoken, Christ pertains another tribe. Not the tribe of Levi, but the tribe of Judah. That is why Christ is an high priest forever, after the order of Melchizedek and or Jerusalem. For he of whom these things are spoken pertains another tribe. For it is evident that our Lord sprang out of Judah, of which tribe Moses spake nothing concerning the priesthood. And it is yet far more evident, for after that, the similitude of Melchizedek, there arises another priest. The terminology, similitude, is actually likeness. And it's the same Greek word that is used to denote that Yahshua is created in the likeness or similitude of Yahweh. So Melchizedek is equal to Yahshua in the Old Testament. And many people discount that. All the way there, if they don't understand it in Genesis chapter 3, that there was a coming Redeemer who would crush the head of the serpent, then they should be able to understand Melchizedek, at least in light of Hebrews chapter 7. Also, consider, Paul continues in verse 16, Who is made not after the law of carnal commandment, right? We covered that. For he testifies all the way in Psalm 110. Thou art Jesus Christ and high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. For there is verily a disannulling of the commandment going before the weakness and the unprofitableness thereof. For the law made nothing perfect. Stopping right there. The law doesn't make you perfect or completed. That's the term as he used it in verse 11. Right? If therefore perfection were by the Levitical priesthood or completion... Paul says in verse 19, For the law made nothing complete and or perfect, but the bringing in of a better hope did, by the which we draw nigh unto God. How do we draw nigh unto God but by Yahshua? And we're going to prove that if you turn with me. And perhaps your thumb is still in Romans. But Romans chapter 3, because Paul teaches here in verse 20, Therefore, by the deeds of the law, There shall no flesh be justified in his sight, Yahweh God. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. Just as Paul says here, You know sin from the law, but the law is not a blueprint for salvation. Who is Christ? His body, his blood, that he gave for one and all time for remission of sins. That is why Melchizedek appears to Father Abraham, the great patriarch. And Abraham gives unto who? Yahshua, the prince of Salem, all the way back then, a tithe, 10% 
of all the spoils. And in return, what was given him? The body of Christ and the blood of Christ. Understand the importance, especially in light of the covenant. Because Father Abraham is meant to be a blessing unto all nations. His seed, his offspring, you and I, the men, women, and children of Yahweh God. And this order of Melchizedek, Paul says there's a disannulling of the commandment because it was unprofitable back then. The application of the high priest, what the Levitical priests would do. The order of Melchizedek is opposite of the order of the Levitical priest. The tribe of Levi now is to preach in season and out of season. But the high priest is who? According to the same book of Hebrews. Jesus Christ. And he's an high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. And so, I truly pray that this brief look into the topic of the order of Melchizedek has blessed your Christian walk. And perhaps helped you understand why Christ is considered an high priest forever. Paul says in Hebrews 7 verse 24, This man, because he continueth forever, hath an unchangeable priesthood. If that priesthood is unchangeable, it makes sense as to why Christ, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever, is also unchangeable. And Melchizedek of the old. So let us give sacrifice unto our Prince of Peace, our King of Salem. And let us always look forward to our Deliverer, because he will return again. Paul ends on that note in verse 28. For the law maketh men high priests, which have an infirmity. But the word of the oath, which was since the law, maketh the Son, who is consecrated forevermore. Yahshua is that word, the living word that we study. And so, until I rejoin you, This is Pastor Visser from the heart of the Dirty South, which is Brooks, Georgia, and the Covenant People's Church, wishing you and your entire family great studies, war for Christ. Amen. Covenant People's Ministry. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope that you have enjoyed studying with us. Remember the words that Christ has given, that wherever two or three are gathered in my name, There I am in the midst of them. We hope that you will gather together with us at the online ministry's website, which is covenantpeoplesministry.org, and share your Christian testimonies or ask questions and enjoy biblical fellowship. You can also order CDs of Pastor Visser's Bible study lessons and enjoy many other Christian resources through the church's website. If you would like to write to us, send your comments and queries to Covenant People's Ministry, Post Office Box 256, Brooks, Georgia, 30205, or reach us by telephone at 678-692-8870. We thank you for your prayers and offerings, and we pray that all of you have been touched by these messages and continue to share the words of the gospel with your friends and family. Thanks again, and may the love of Christ abide in you and yours forever and ever. Amen.